Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome, Pinewood Church, to Pinewood Live at 4 p.m. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you're here. Hey, if you're new with us, would you do me a favor? If this is your first time joining us on Pinewood, at Pinewood Church Online, would you go to pinewood.church? On the top right, you'll see a tab, Connect. Would you fill out a Connect card? We'd love to know who you are. Uh, we'd love to hear your story. And we'd love to walk with you on your journey of faith and point you to Jesus. Uh, we realize that, uh, you know, it's a dangerous place to live life in isolation. And in this time, in a pandemic, we don't want you to be isolated. We want you to have friends. We want you to have community. I feel like you have people uh, to support you and encourage you. So go ahead, fill out a Connect card. We'd love to know who you are. Thanks for joining us online. My name is Parker Manuel, pastor here at Pinewood Church. And we're continuing through a series that we started a couple weeks ago called Breakthrough. Breakthrough is our word for 2021. It's our theme. It's what we're going into, believing that God has breakthrough, not just in our church, not just in our city, but breakthrough in your life. And we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph today. Last weekend, I highly encourage you to go back, watch the message. It's on YouTube. Uh, So hey, subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're here. Also, while you're here, why don't you do me a huge favor? Why don't you hit the share tab? copy this link and go post it to your social media right now. You did that last weekend and we had so many new viewers watch and engage with the message. I believe that one invite, one share could change the course of someone's life forever. So go ahead, subscribe, like, share, and let's dive into the message. We're going to be talking about Joseph today. The title of the message is, There's More to the Story. There's More to the Story. What do you do when the pieces don't look quite like the picture? Now, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Legos. My sons are obsessed with Lego building. I used to be obsessed with Lego building. And to be honest, now that my sons are obsessed again, like I'm finding a new love for it all on my own. And there's this new thing called Lego robotics. Have you ever seen this before? Shout out all the engineers that are creating all these awesome tools for kids to learn how to do engineering at six, seven, nine years old. Corey will lock himself into the room, and he has this app that he has downloaded, and he can piece together these really intricate designs and cars and trucks and all these amazing things, and they move. It's incredible. But I was thinking about this. There's, there's a few perspectives that you can think about when you think about putting together and building Legos. You can either get frustrated in the process and you can think, man, there's all these pieces everywhere. There's this giant bag. It's so complex. It takes so much time. Or you can just realize that, hey, we're, this is a part of the process. Like it's in pieces on purpose. Like, yeah, we're working towards the picture, but we can still enjoy the process of building together all these little intricate pieces as we work towards what will one day be revealed in the picture. You see, what I'm trying to tell you today is that right now, I believe that many of us are living 
with a lot of pieces everywhere, a lot of chaos, a lot of complexity in our lives. And we're thinking, man, if I could just be the picture, if my life could just, if I could just be at the end result right now, that would be fantastic. But the pieces are a part of the process. And I want to tell somebody today, what if the pieces are not in pieces by accident, but what if it's intentional? What if it was designed that way? I believe that God is working something special in the details of our lives. And I believe that we see that in the life of Joseph. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to be picking back up where we left off last weekend. Genesis chapter 50. We're going to read this together. And then I want to share some, uh, just some characteristics from his life that I believe will bless you today. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 20. It says this, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... They said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin. The suffering they caused you, therefore, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this passage. Thank you for the story of Joseph's life. And I just, I just ask, God, that you would speak through me, that you would be the teacher today. And, and that for everybody that's watching, I pray that we would open up our hearts, open up our minds for what you want to speak to us. Maybe how this story, that's not just history, Father. This is your written word. This is you speaking to us, that that word, Father, would begin to change our lives. Thank you that you're moving. Thank you that you're in control. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you a quick recap of Joseph's life, and then I want to fast forward to the time where Joseph rises in power and authority. But first, let's look back from the beginning. At the age of 17, God gives Joseph a dream, a dream that his brothers would one day bow down to him, and even a dream that his own mother and father would bow down to him. Now, his brothers already didn't like him because they knew that he was the favorite son. There was 12 sons. Joseph was the favorite. Now, I'm not saying that all brothers don't like the favorite. Like, we already know who the favorite is on my family. We still love them, and that's okay. But for this super dysfunctional family, They knew who the favorite was, and they hated him for it. But to make matters worse, Joseph, now granted, I think he should have told the dream, but the way in which he told the dream, I think maybe lacked a little bit of discernment. He went to his brothers. He told him his dream. One day you're going to bow down to me. Well, you can imagine they didn't take it too well, and so they conspired to kill him. They ended up, when he went to check on them one day, they ended up capturing him, throwing him in a pit, conspiring to kill him, but they inevitably sold him into slavery. The Midianites purchased him, 
took him in and he uh, rose in power and authority for a minute in Potiphar's house, who was the captain of the guards. So he went from the pit, sold into slavery, but then he started to rise in power. He was faithful to Potiphar. He had gained trust, and now he had authority in Potiphar's house. But Potiphar's wife accused him of rape, falsely accused him of rape. This made Potiphar very angry. And so he said, no longer are you second in command. command. You are now in prison. Send him to prison. Gosh, Joseph can't catch a break. He's the favorite. Then he gets sold into slavery. Then he rises back up again. Now he's put in prison, falsely accused. His family hates him. His boss hates him. Everybody's against him. In prison, we see that Joseph is talking to all of the other people in prison, and he interprets dreams. And the dreams that he interpreted came true. One man died, and the cupbearer, the baker died, and the cupbearer was put back into his position as the cupbearer of Pharaoh. You know, many years passed, and the cupbearer remembered when Pharaoh was sharing with him about a dream, the cupbearer remembered. You know, there was somebody that interpreted my dream, and they remembered that it was Joseph, and they brought Joseph in, and Joseph rightly interpreted Pharaoh's dream. So here we go again. Joseph is in prison, but here he comes back. Round three, he comes back and he gains favor with Potiphar, with Pharaoh because he interprets the dream rightly when he says that there's going to be seven years of plenty and there's going to be seven years of famine. And the Pharaoh said, I want to, I want to make you second in command over all of Egypt. So here you have Joseph at the age of 17, hated by his brothers, fearing for his life, sold as a slave, now, when, we, when, I, when I tell this story in a matter of like two minutes, you're thinking, oh, sure, this isn't so bad. Yeah, a lot of terrible things happened to Joseph, but he quickly rose into power and quickly rose into authority. You would be terribly wrong. From the time that the dream happened until now, we're looking at a solid 13 years. You may be thinking to yourself, well, God gave me a dream, and you're maybe like a year in, and the dream isn't going like you planned, and you're thinking about giving up. Maybe the calling that God had put on your life seven years ago, you're thinking, man, you know what? I feel like I'm kind of moving in another direction. I feel like there's too much opposition. There's too much going on in my life. I think I may just, I think I may just walk away from God's calling. I want to tell you today that if God has given you a dream, God has given you a vision, then to stay faithful to the dream, to the vision, to the calling that God has on your life. Don't give up just because things get hard. Don't give up just because you're falsely accused. Don't give up because people lie to you or turn against you. No, no, no. What God has started in your life with a dream, with a vision, with a calling, he will fulfill. God is not going to leave an abandoned project. What God starts, God will finish. He's doing a good work in your life, and he will see it through. We not only see this in Joseph's life, we see this all throughout Scripture. First thing that... We see in Joseph's life as a glorious providence. Glorious providence. If you're taking notes, write that down. Glorious providence. And we see this in Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. So we're going we're gonna to rewind a little bit, and we're going to go back to Genesis 45. Let's look at this text together. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one that you sold into Egypt. All right, now, this is when 
His brothers, actually, years later, they came to him. They didn't know it was him, but they came to him because they needed food. Listen, they're in the middle of a famine at this point, and they're hungry. And they came to him not knowing it's Joseph. And can you imagine this moment where Joseph says, please come near to me? And they came near, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph. Can you imagine in this moment his brothers are thinking, we're dead. We tried to kill him. We were going to kill him. We lied to his dad. We sold him as a slave. And here this is 22 years later. Can you imagine how much Joseph hates us now? He hated us then. He's been sitting on this for 23 years. He's going to kill us. Verse 5, he says, And don't be grieved or angry with yourself for selling me here. What? Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve your life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you. Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you. Who sent him ahead? God sent him ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has, made a father to, he has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and rule over all the land of Egypt. What you see here is a glorious providence. Providence is the protective care of God. We see this glorious providence all over Joseph's life. We see this protective care over Joseph. We see this protective care over the household of Jacob and all of his 12 sons. But there's actually even more to the providential care than what we even see just right here. Joseph gained favor with Pharaoh, became second in command. And God has positioned Joseph in a very unique and powerful position to care for his family who is now really hungry. Isn't this a wild twist of events? You have this family, 12 brothers, try to kill one of their brothers who now rises into power that they now come to because they're hungry, and he provides them food. Glorious providence. But there's more to the story. You see, it's not just that he's providing food and protection and care for the brothers. He's actually fulfilling a promise. We see this promise through his forefather, Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, says this. The Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, Joseph, And the family was living in this Abrahamic promise, this covenant, that one day, one day, all of the world would be blessed. You know what this passage is telling you? It's telling you that one day, through this lineage, the Messiah is going to be born. And when the Messiah is going to be born, it's going to change everything. All the nations will be blessed through your line. Jesus came through the line of Jacob, ultimately the line of Judah that Joseph was providing food for. See, there's more to the story. 
It was a glorious providence. The ups and downs, the mountaintops, the valleys, all of these things were not good luck and bad luck. They were not man's random intentions or man's random actions. No, God was doing something intentional in the details of Joseph's life. He was caring for him in an intentional way. This story speaks profoundly to God's providence and man's faithfulness. In Genesis 45.5, the passage I read, it says this, God sent me here. So I know that this is, this is a big mystery. This is really hard for us to wrap our mind around, but I want you to think about this with me for just a second. Who sold Joseph into slavery? Just write it in the comments right now. Who sold Joseph into slavery? Who hated him? Who tried to kill him? Who, who falsely accused Joseph of right? Who, who, okay, who threw Joseph into prison? Who then, after he interpreted their dreams, did not remember him for a while later and didn't care? For, are, are you seeing? You're like, wait, I don't understand. Why does this say God sent me here? Who was in control here? Well, I want, to, I want to say clearly that the brothers obviously weren't in control of this situation. It wasn't them that sent them there. The dad isn't the one that set the scene. It wasn't the Midianites who purchased him. It wasn't Potiphar who rose him up in power. It wasn't Pharaoh who even made him second in command. It was the almighty God who established him. It says, God sent me here. God sent me here. What if it's on, what if your life, what if it's in pieces on purpose? What if the process doesn't look like the promise? What if the pieces don't look like the picture? Can you imagine in Joseph's life at this point, he's thinking to himself, he's looking at the course of his life saying, you know what, I guess, I guess if all of that hadn't happened, you know, I wouldn't be here being able to provide for you. And in an act of mercy and an act of love and an act of grace, he says, you know what? He says, you know, looking back, you know, this was, this was God. God has been at work. God has been caring for me. God brought me here so that I can care for you. Can you imagine having that perspective on life? Can you imagine having that type of grace to someone who has wronged you so terribly? People don't follow us back on social media and we hate them for life. People don't call us for a month and we think, oh, canceling that person. These people tried to kill him. His own family. And he showed them grace. But it wasn't him. It was God at work in his life. You see, God is in control. That there's a bigger picture happening here. That he's at work. And then he has a beautiful plan for your life. We not only see this in the life of Joseph, we see this also in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. And after you have suffered for a little while, all right, hello, my pandemic, fan, my pandemic people out there, family. After you've suffered for a little while, okay, we're suffering for a little while here. This is us. We're in the middle of it. We're suffering. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself... Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God's taking care of you. 
God has not abandoned you. God has not left you in this season. I'm preaching to myself. Parker, God has not left you. I need this for myself. I was just telling my wife today, I was telling her, man, this, I'm, it, this is all kind of getting in my head a little bit. All of it. The regulation changes, the shifting, the pivoting. I love, I love that everyone's been so flexible to pivot. I love the attitude that everybody's had. But it's also been really hard. And I feel like that I've suffered the least compared to some of the people that I know and love and many of the people in our household that I just left a, a meeting with a lot of people who have lost uh, parents and who have lost loved ones and uh, who have lost their jobs and going through a lot of financial hardships. Fam, we're in the middle of some, some suffering, but I want to let you know that God of eternal glory himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And we need to be reminded today that he has a glorious plan for your life, a special plan. And that he's fulfilling it right now. Joseph didn't live in growing bitterness, but in a guaranteed promise. And we live in that same today, a guaranteed promise. Joseph could have very easily gotten angry and bitter, frustrated. I know that Joseph had moments of doubt. I know that he had moments of fear and anxiety and frustration. I know that he had all of those things that we feel maybe right now. But he didn't let it fester. He didn't let it grow and become bitter. No, he lived in a promise knowing that God was with him, that God was working all things out for the good. And then a little, just a little uh, more, a couple more verses later in 40, chapter 45, verse 17 through 20, we see a generous provision. It says this, Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do not... Do this, load your animal and go back onto the land of Canaan. Get your father and their families and come back to me. And I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you can eat from the richness of the land. You are also commanded to tell them, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your dependents and your wives and bring your father here. Do not be concerned about your belongings for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. What? Joseph not only cares for them, but now he's going above and beyond to bless them? God takes the sins of the destroyers and he turns it around and he makes it the means of their salvation. Say that again. God takes the sins of the destroyers, the people that tried to kill him, and he turns it around to make it the means of their salvation. Can anybody relate to that in their own life? It was the sins of the destroyers, the, the disrespecters, the sins of the disobeyers that God turned around, showed his unconditional love, his unmerited favor, his overwhelming grace on our lives to send his one and only son into the world to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to be raised from the dead so that we could have salvation, sanctification, justification, hope for a future so that we could live in that same promise that Jesus, who is alive today, is working all things out to the good of those that love him and who are called according to his purpose. 
He takes the sins of the destroyer and he turns it around to make it the means of their salvation. We know this from the cross. Isn't it beautiful what we see here with the story of Joseph and how he is treating his family? Isn't this such a beautiful picture of the gospel? It's believed by biblical scholars that Joseph is a type of Christ. He's not Christ. He's a type of Christ. He's an image of Christ, a beautiful picture of God's mercy and grace. Did the family deserve his provision? No. Do we deserve God's provision on our lives? Do we deserve God's grace on our lives? No. But he gives it to us as a free gift. I can't, I can't imagine how the brothers felt. Why is he doing this? What have we done? Surely he has to hate us. I would hate him. I would hate us. When you find yourself at the foot of the cross, and you're seeing the sacrifice that Jesus made for your sins, and you're just you're in here, you're thinking about your life. Do you not do you not feel that? God, why? Why would you? If there's anyone unworthy of this, it's me. And he says, No, I not only wanna, I not only wanna give you grace, I wanna bless you. I wanna give you the best of the land. I wanna provide for you. I wanna take care of you. No, 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 don't feel guilt. Don't feel shame. Don't be afraid. No, don't be afraid. I want to comfort you. I want to give you a peace that passes all understanding. Hey, it's going to be okay. No, I, I got this. I have the authority. I have the power. I'm going to take care of you. God wants to lavish his generous provision on you today. Will you receive the gift of grace? Will you say yes to him today? There's more to the story. You see, there's a greater purpose happening. Genesis 49, in verses 8 through 10, says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the necks of your enemies. Your father's son will bow down to you. Judah is a young lion, my son. You return from the kill. He crouches. He lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares arouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the people belongs to him. You may be saying, where is Jesus in all of this, in this Amazing. I mean, so much of the book of Genesis is focused on this one biblical character, Joseph. And all of the Old Testament is pointing us to one person, and that's Jesus. So where is Jesus in all of this? I think the third, the third thing that I want us to see from this text is that there was, there's a greater purpose. That it wasn't just about the 13 years of suffering, or it wasn't just about you know, this dysfunctional family that, you know, God still, you know, showed 
grace to and provision for. No, there's more to the story. What you see is that what Joseph, his faithfulness and God's sovereignty, he was providing a means for the line of Jesus that would be born through his brother Judah. This is what's so amazing to me. Jesus came through the line of Judah, which was the brother of Joseph that ultimately tried to kill him. But God, because he, has, he sees the bigger picture, Aren't you, God, aren't you glad today that God sees the bigger picture? I'm kind of looking at my own life, and I'm sure you're looking at your life, and we're looking at this situation, and we're like, what are you doing? Well, aren't you grateful that God sees the bigger, bigger picture? God sees the bigger picture of what's happening here. He says, no, 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 I want, I'm going to be with you, Joseph. I'm going to bless you so that you can care for, show mercy and grace to your brother Judah, who would then have a son, who would have a son, who would have a son, and ultimately, we would see Jesus born out of that line of Judah, the Messiah. All because God was with him, never left him, and God was in control of every situation. You didn't send me here. God sent me here. Well, how do you know that? Well, because God's in control of the bigger picture. God knows what's going on. Can you say today, that God is in control? Can you say today that God has a plan? Can you say today that you trust him and what he's doing and that he's going to work out all these things for his good? Or, or today, would you say, no, I'm a, I, I would have a hard time saying that. I would have a hard time saying that I trust that because it's just, there's too much evil in the world for me to believe that. Genesis 50, 20 says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You meant it for evil. God can turn it for good. God took the broken pieces of Joseph, his brothers, and their forefathers. He took the broken pieces, and he says, no, I'm going to restore all things for my good, for my glory, for your good, for my glory. God can overrule people's evil intentions and actions to bring about his intended result. And I think that's a word for us today. We see that right here in Joseph. And I don't know about you, I mean, I've seen this over and over and over again in my own life. Sure, we see that God has a plan when we read stories of Joseph because we can put all the pieces together and we can see the picture and we can say, see, God's in control. See, God's doing something special. But how many know when we're in the middle of the broken pieces, that's when it's so hard to say, no, 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 it's okay. God's in control. I know he sees the bigger picture. I'm going to trust him. But I know for me personally, I have seen God take evil intentions and actions from others and even in my own life and still turn them around for his good. That's my testimony. Is that your testimony? Romans 8.28 says, the Apostle Paul says, and we know that for those 
who love God, all things work together for good. All right, let me, let me just pause right there for a second. And we know that those who love God, what things work together for good? All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What, what is that purpose? Well, we see normally that verse is, is quoted to say, like, you can have hope in any circumstance. But what is his purpose? We see his purpose found in verse 29. It says to be conformed to the image of his son. It's not to trade bad events for good events. It's not to take Joseph from the pit to a prince. No. It's so that Joseph would be more conformed to his image, so that we could look at Joseph's life and see a life of faithfulness, a life of surrender, a life that is being conformed more and more to the image of God. And I want to ask you here today, what is your purpose? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? I believe that he does. And I believe that you need to be reminded of that now more than ever before. If you're watching this and maybe this is your first time hearing about maybe this passage or, or Jesus, I want to invite you to receive the goodness and the grace of God on your life. Sin, the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. He wants to distract you from your greater purpose. He wants to distract you from an intimate personal relationship with the holy God. But I want to tell you right now, God is chasing you even harder. His grace is drawing you in right now. And what do you have to do to receive his grace? The Bible says that it is a gift. It says that you can't earn it. Can you imagine if his brothers would have come to him and said, let us work for you? No, that's not what they did. Why? Because Joseph showed grace and he gave it to him as a free gift. All his brothers had to do was receive that free gift. That's all you have to do today is receive the free gift of grace on your life from God. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life on this earth. He died for your sin. We deserve the penalty of death. Scripture says that your sin equals death. We deserve the penalty of death. But Jesus said, oh, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to be the propitiation for your sins. I'm going to stand in between. I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to take the penalty. And he rose on the third day, defeating sin, death, the grave, the enemy, everything, so that through his death, burial, and his resurrection, we can have life. So I want to ask you today, would you say yes to Jesus? You don't have to pray an extravagant prayer. You don't even have to know all the answers. Let's be honest. I'm talking about the mysteries of the sovereignty of God here. I don't know all of the answers. I don't know all the answers of the Bible. I don't know all the mysteries of God. But what I do know is, is that there is a God. He wants to have a relationship with you. And the Bible says that you can only have relationship through Jesus. Jesus said this when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So through the blood of Jesus, would you say yes to him today? I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Wherever you are, Pray this prayer out loud together. Say, Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you. I confess that I have sinned against you. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Right now, by faith, I say Jesus is Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. By your grace, I am saved. 
by your power, I am set free. If you prayed that prayer today, then I'm shouting, I'm celebrating. I think that's the best decision that you'll ever make in your entire life. And I know that the heavens are rejoicing. You are now a son. You are now a daughter of the king. You are now saved by grace. Welcome to the family. If you said yes to Jesus, let us know. Go to our website, pinewood.church. Fill out a connect card. Let us know who you are. We want to get you a Bible. We want to get you in community so that we can grow together in our faith. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for everybody that joined us today for this service, for this message as we unpacked this text and unpacked a little bit of Joseph's life and what it teaches us about your grace and how good you are. And how even in the moments that seem just terrible, where there's suffering, where there's brokenness and dysfunction, somehow, God, I don't know how, somehow you are still working. You're still moving. There's a bigger picture. And God, as much as we want to wrestle with the question why, Father, may we more so lean into just the relationship and the trust and the surrender of who you are and how good you are. God, we love you. We pray a prayer of blessing over everybody that's watching today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.